I want to continue our series today uh, that we started last week called Bah Humbug. In 31 years, we've been offering this outreach of the Gospel According to Scrooge, and we've never really talked about the deeper meaning, and that's what I want to do this morning. Now, how many of you would say you don't like being interrupted? And the rest of you are just lying. How many of you? Okay, 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 let me soften it. How many of you would say you know someone who doesn't like being interrupted? Yeah, yeah, I'm asking for a friend, right? Yeah, I know, I know. I got it, I got it, yeah. You know what I mean by being interrupted? Right in the middle of something that you're doing that's really important, just something breaks in and there's an interruption. I, I, I don't know why. Some of you have this ability and I admire you, and I don't have this ability. I'm a very much a one-dimensional person. When I'm talking on the phone and someone else sitting beside me is talking to me, it paralyzes my brain. Anybody? Like I, like, like I just go, like I can't, now, and I go, I can't hear either one of you. Like, you, like my brain has paralyzed. It's locked. And I just sort of, uh, it, it overloads my circuitry. You know that kind of interruption. Or, or like when you're in a hurry and, and you're just kind of clipping down the road in the car and all of a sudden you look in the mirror and there's those little blue lights. Don't you just hate those kind of interruptions? Or, or you're, you're heading on the interstate and you start to hear blah, 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 this little flat tire. Oh, hate those interruptions. Maybe you waited till the last minute to pay a bill and you think, no problem, I'll just jump on their website and pay it. And it says, we're sorry, our site is down. And you say, no, my bill's going to be late. And they say, you shouldn't have waited to the last minute. Or maybe you're watching, I don't know, a really good football game or something like that. And a storm moves in and blanks your TV out. You're like, no, 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 no. You know, what happened, what happened, what happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you know. Sometimes interruptions are irritating and small, but sometimes interruptions are huge, and they're life-altering. Like when your, your uh, 20-year job is suddenly taken away, or um, a loved one passes away, maybe divorce happens. When, when uh, normal is interrupted by a terrible medical diagnosis or even by a, an unexpected personal failure. Maybe you failed in a way that you didn't think you were capable of and it's just shocked you. And What an interruption to the trajectory that your life was on up until that moment. That really is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. We, we're kind of unpacking this play we've been doing and, uh, and talking about the deeper meaning of it. And that really is his story. It's the story of an old codger who wanted every day to be a day for himself because he wanted to make more money. He had his routine, he had his way of doing things, and he did not want to be interrupted. And in one scene of the, um, of the play, a person visits him, you know, hoping to get a small donation for the needy. And uh, when the knock was heard, Ebenezer Scrooge growled and said, Cratchit, tell them to go away. I don't have time for interruptions. But that very night, he had the interruption of a lifetime when four spirits 
interrupted his sleep in a few intense hours that changed his life. Now, you and I generally don't ask for interruptions, and the truth is we generally don't welcome them very well when they come. But Scrooge's interruption was more than just a typical interruption. It was a divine interruption, and that's what I want you to catch this morning. It was something that God initiated not to hurt Scrooge, but to help him. Now, if you think about it, the entire Christmas season, the Christmas event, the reality of God becoming a human and coming to earth in the baby form, in the form of a baby, is a divine interruption in the trajectory of human history. The world was floating along on a particular course. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And that is a divine interruption. Listen to the way that Luke's gospel puts it in Luke uh, chapter 2 out of the message. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. Don't you like that? They were in the neighborhood. They had set watches, night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. I would call that a divine interruption. God the Father choosing to send his son Jesus to interrupt the brokenness of this world. Last week we talked about it in the, in the name that God gave to his son, Emmanuel, God with us. There's nothing in human history that compares with the magnitude of the divine interruption that we call Christmas. So this morning, if you uh, got something to take notes with, what I wanted to do is I want to talk about um, the implications of, of what a divine interruption really means. Number one, God's interruptions are usually inconvenient. I don't know if you found this. Obviously, this was true for Ebenezer Scrooge. From the moment he left his office on Christmas Eve, irritated and mad and frustrated at the people around him who were celebrating Christmas, and all he wanted to do is have the debt that was owed to him paid before Christmas. He hated the holidays because they interrupted his collection of the money that people owed him. And his clerk, Bob Cratchit, was terrified to ask to be off, you know, for Christmas Day. And here's how Scrooge responded when old Cratchit asked for a day off. He said, well, it's not quite convenient. You remember this line? Do you not think me ill-used for you to spend a whole workday frolicking? Do you remember Will that? I ever, will I ever be able to get a decent night's sleep again? <laughs> oh, you have inconvenienced me beyond my ability to tolerate your caterwauling. Mr. Scrooge, I'm so sorry that we woke you up. We were, you know, trying to have a um, Sunday morning service here, sir. You're not sir. sorry. You're not sorry one penny's worth. You'd think yourself ill-used if I were to take a regular night's sleep away from you. But you don't think me ill-used for you to rob me of my sleep for your regular Sunday service. Well, listen, we're talking about divine interruptions. What do you think about that? First of all, I do not tolerate interruptions at all. And I don't believe in anything divine. Listen, I believe it. If I see it and experience it, you can rest assured of that. And that's the only way. Well, I can guarantee you this. You will see it. Starting Friday night at 7. Bah! 
Kamba. Mr. Scrooge, give him a hand. Here's the truth. Divine interruptions are unexpected and usually inconvenient. The divine interruption of the first Christmas proves it. Just look at how inconvenient it was for, let's say, the mother of Jesus. Mary, who was probably around 13 or 14 years old, living in a small town, she was poor and unmarried and pregnant and claims she's a virgin. Very inconvenient for her life. She's truly innocent, but now she'll be called names the rest of her life. This event changes her life. There's nothing convenient about her situation. Or think about how inconvenient it was for her fiancé, Joseph. He's engaged to this girl. She winds up pregnant. He knows the child isn't his, but he agrees to stay with her, which is the cultural equivalent of, of admitting guilt and saying, I'm going to say it's not my baby, but by my actions of staying with her, I'm going to prove that it is. And he lost his reputation. And then there's the trip to Bethlehem. The inability to find a hotel room and having to use a, a, a feeding trough as a bassinet and the anger of King Herod who threatened to kill baby Jesus and in fact slaughtered infants trying to catch up with them and ultimately chased them out of the country. Christmas is inconvenient. And most of God's divine interruptions are. I, I remember when I was in Argentina years ago, um, I developed a good friendship with a couple of missionaries there, Rocky and Sherry Grahams, and I sort of kept up with them through the years. Several years after we had uh, been there on multiple mission trips, he told me this story um, because uh, uh, break-in and thievery and that, that kind of thing was so bad in Buenos Aires uh, because of the economy and, and all of that. And so they were going into their home one night, and uh, four guys followed them in, forced them through the door, uh, tied them up back to back in the kitchen floor, and then ransacked their house, went all through the house, and took whatever they wanted and left. And uh, then eventually a, a, a relative arrived and came in and was able to untie them. Now I can't imagine how traumatic of an event that would be. So they went down to the police station to report what had happened. Now listen to this. If you, if you had had that event happen to you, would you not like still be reeling with trauma and shaken up and afraid? And imagine how you would feel every night as you enter your front door again for a while. I mean, it would just, it would change a lot of things about how you feel. They go to the police station and they said, but you know what happened? They were telling me this story. They said, when we got to the police station, we realized that this was a divine appointment and, and uh, God was really wanting to minister to the police chief. So they said, we finally got an opportunity to speak to him in private and we did and they were able to minister to him and, and here, here he begins to break down in tears about a situation going on in his life and they're sitting in the police station in this private office praying for the police chief you know, and, and, he's, and he's breaking down. Now, Look, I'm not saying God sent those criminals to push them in the room. I'm not saying that. 
But I am saying that there was a police chief who the Holy Spirit was trying to reach. And how he got them from where they were to there, I don't know how to explain that. But I only know that God used them in that moment. And that was a divine interruption. That was a divine appointment that ended up blessing someone else's life. And I know this, God's divine interruptions are normally inconvenient. Number two, God's interruptions are wake-up calls. Just for fun, I looked up the definition uh, for wake-up call, and I guess I got what I deserved, because here's what it says. A telephone call from a hotel employee to awaken a sleeping hotel guest. I guess I, I kind of deserve that, right? How many of you ever had a wake-up call in a hotel? Remember the old days? Before your phone and all that stuff, they would call, you know, and it would ring and ring. And then they got automated. Well, I, I looked up a different definition, because that wasn't really what I was looking for. An unexpected event so dramatic or troubling that it produces an immediate change or call to action. The Bible is full of wake-up calls. Like Jonah, who ignored God, was tossed over into a stormy sea, swallowed by a fish, spit back up, and then goes to Nineveh. That's a pretty big wake-up call. Paul the Apostle, who is persecuting Christians who's maybe even overseeing the execution of them, is struck blind with a glaring light on, on horseback on the road to somewhere else, and he has an encounter with God. It is a divine interruption. It, it is a God interruption. Joseph, who's thrown into jail over a false charge, and then he works his way up and ends up earning the king's trust and becoming the second in command. That is not the path that he thought he was going to take, but it was a divine interruption. And then Moses, who saw a burning bush and heard the voice of God speak out of it, telling him to go and to do what was impossible to free a million people from slavery. These were divine interruptions that caused immediate change and call to action. And the same thing happened to Scrooge in the original book and in the play that we're going to offer. He was first of all visited by Jacob Marley, you know, and he's not quite convinced, but this is a supernatural and divine interruption. He had lived his whole life for himself, never thinking of anyone or caring about anything else that really mattered. And afterwards, Scrooge uh, was allowed to peek into his past, into his present, and into his future. And those visions were so dramatic and so troubling, it produced a change inside him and a call to action. But a call to action or a divine interruption isn't always a change from a wicked, terrible, godless you know, lifestyle. Sometimes a wake-up call reveals things that are, watch this, small at first. They seem subtle and little, but they, but they begin to reveal things and they create paradigm shifts. And suddenly what was not very important becomes critically important, and what was critically important becomes not very important. Now, I, I want to um, give you a, a warning. The story I'm going to tell you is, is um, it, it's painful, and it's traumatic, and I just want to give you a heads up. This is, this is a pretty deep and painful story, but I want to share it this morning because I believe this is how God's wake-up calls sometimes work. And he just might use this story to communicate a wake-up call to us. 
When I had been a youth pastor for about two months or three, whatever, not long, not long enough, I can tell you that. One night I leave the youth building and I'm out in the parking lot and this kid who's in our youth group named Josh, he comes up to me and I, I, I had only been a youth pastor a few months of my life. So, you know, I was new and figuring it out. And, but, and I didn't know Josh. I'd only lived there about three months. And I didn't know Josh very well. But, you know, uh, he, he, he was so pale. And he looked like he had been traumatized. You know, you hear the phrase, some, like somebody had seen a ghost. That's what he, I mean, he just looked, you know, horrified. And uh, he said, can I talk to you? And he, I mean, it was just dead serious. And I said, sure, Josh. Man, what's you know, what's going on? And he told me a story unlike anything I've ever heard. He said, well, did you um, hear about that kid uh, this past weekend who was playing Russian roulette with a group of kids with a gun, and he spun the chamber on, on, the, uh, on the chamber that had the bullet in it, and he pulled the trigger and he shot himself. I said, yeah, Josh, I, I, man, I heard about that. It was terrible. Um, but I don't know anything else about it. And he said, well, I knew him. And he said, I was at the mall Friday, and I saw him with a group of friends. And the Holy Spirit told me to go over and talk to him. And he said, so I wrestled. He said, I even started walking back and forth in front of a store in the mall, pacing back and forth because I was wrestling. I I knew I should, but I didn't want to. And he said, and the, and the intensity and the pressure in my life, in my heart, just began to increase. And he, he said, and I knew the Holy Spirit wanted me to go tell him that God loved him and, and, and a few other things that I can't even remember. But there was very kind of specific things. I knew the Holy Spirit just wanted me to just, you know, gently walk up and, and talk to him. And he said, I couldn't do it. And I didn't do it. And now he's gone. And he looked at me and he said, what do I do? And I can just tell you, there's nothing I studied in Bible college that prepared me for that. I, I, I don't even remember what I told him, and I'm sure it wasn't great. But I did the very best that I could to try to help him navigate through that terrible story. But, but what I did realize is that in a, in a horrible way, Josh had had a wake-up call that helped him see through the temporary into the eternal. Because you see, in our society and all over the world, when we want to say that something is its most, um, v uh, the most valuable moment that we can talk about in our world, we always say, it was a matter of life and death, right? That's what we always say. But moments like these help us understand there, there is one thing that is more important than life and death, and it is eternity. Eternity is more important than life and death. You can die and go to heaven, and it's going to be okay. You can die and not go to heaven, and it's not going to be okay. And, that, and everybody dies. 
And there is one thing more important, and this was a big paradigm shift for him. And I can remember him saying to me, I, I have to do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I, I, as I watched him begin to grow in, his, in that paradigm shift, in that priority shift, that I, it's got to be more important to me the condition of the souls of the people around me. I can't just go for my own comfort. I can't just go for what's convenient for me. I can't just go for what feels good for me. I, 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 have, I have to do something else. These wake-up calls challenge us to ask, what should our priorities be? So let me ask you this morning. What, what about your family and friends and coworkers? If they died today... As tragic as that would be, there's one worse tragedy. It's that they wouldn't go to heaven. And do you know what would happen to them? Those of you who are students, what about your, your, uh, your peer students? What about your fellow classmates? Do you know what would happen to them if they left the earth today? What are our priorities? Are we just moving through life trying to live in as little pain and as much comfort as we can. Let me read a startling quote to you from J.C. Ryle. He said, The highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. What right do you have, what right do I have to go to heaven alone? What right do we have? Life has a way of screaming at us and demanding that we focus on temporary things and ignore eternal things. And there's actually a word for this, a phrase for this. It's called mission drift. And left unchecked, our focus always drifts inward. It does not naturally drift outward. So uh, months ago, I happened to catch a post by a, an old friend on Facebook, and, um, and I read it, and it was so startling to me because it was such an example of what I'm talking about. And I just wanted to read it to you this morning. Here's what this person wrote on Facebook. We're trying to decide on a church. Here's what we're looking for. Casual dress, choir, men's group, a women's group, good children's department and youth, not too small, but not a mega church either. Sunday p.m. service isn't necessary. We can only attend every other Sunday anyway. Close to home, a place where folks are truly welcome. Of course, we're looking for more. And it's put in quotes. But these are just a few things. I was raised Assembly of God. My husband likes the Baptist church. I want a place that if I feel like shouting, I can. If I want to let the Spirit flow through me, I can. Suggestions. I have a lot of suggestions. I don't think she would like any of them. So I just won't share them. But do you see what happens? Left unchecked, our focus naturally gravitates inward. No thought about, here's the gifts that God has given me, and here's how I could serve. Here's, here's the way I could be fruitful to the kingdom. Here's the call that God has put on my life. Here's the purpose by which God has created me and made me. 
and I want to make a difference. None of that. Do you know it takes 300% more effort to keep a church focused on outreach than any other goal? 300% because we naturally drift inward. So what about our church? What should our priorities be? Do you know this morning, 83% of people in Shelby County will not be in a worship service this weekend? Walmart is full right now. The malls are full. Shopping areas are full. Restaurants are full. Athletic complexes are full. Neighborhoods are full. And churches are growing more empty. 83% of Shelby County will not be in a worship service this morning. What should our priority be to those people? For 31 years, we've done this outreach we call Scrooge. And if we're not careful and if we don't push back with everything that we've got, you know what something like this becomes about? It becomes a tradition. It becomes about, how, 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 do we have a good crowd? Pastor, how's the crowd? Do we have a good crowd? It becomes about how do the costumes look and how does the set look and have the scenes and the play change and who's going to do a new line and who got what part and how many years have you seen it. Can I tell you, by January of 2019, there's only one thing that's going to matter about this. There's only one thing that's going to matter, and here's what it is. Who got saved? That's it. That's all that's going to matter. And where are they now because all the costumes and all the decorations and all the props will already be stored for another year but eternity will still be in the balance and that's all that's going to matter now everybody exhale for a minute that's pretty heavy isn't it it's pretty heavy why would I share things like that with you I can tell you why I'm not sharing it I'm not sharing it because I want you to feel guilty. And I'm not sharing it because I want you to feel shame. And I'm not sharing it because I want you to feel fear. Because those emotions never last. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be motivated by those emotions. I am sharing them because I do want you, I do want you to evaluate your priorities. What are your priorities? What's important to you? What will be important to you this Christmas season? I'm glad when people come and see the play, but nothing excites my heart more than to know that a person that does not have a relationship with Jesus is sitting there, drinking it all in, watching and listening, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Man, there's nothing better on earth the only the only thing in this world that will bring you as much joy as your relationship with Jesus is being a part of somebody else's relationship with Jesus that's it I'm telling you there's nothing like it you just change your whole mind we've got a, a core value at our church that goes like this changed people change the world the question is Are you changing the world? Are you changing your world? Are you changing anything about your world? 
then the question is, has your life really been changed? When you throw a rock in a lake, it will send out waves. If you have met Jesus and your life has been changed, it will send waves out from your life. Changed people change the world. Maybe this service is a wake-up call. Here's the last point. Number three. God's interruptions are invitations. You, you, know, you know the story probably. Most of us do. Whether you've seen the play or read the book or seen a movie. Old Scrooge finally admits he needs help. He breaks down. And when the third angel shows up, Scrooge says this. I know your purpose is to do me good. And as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and I will do it with a thankful heart. God's interruption became an invitation because God was inviting him to see the world differently, to see outward rather than just inside. And the great thing is Scrooge accepted the invitation, my favorite part of the play. I love it. I love it when he changes and, you know, becomes friendly and kind and generous and loving and begins to think about other people. And it's really what he wanted all along. He just didn't know it. You know, maybe you're feeling like that a little bit today. Maybe, I want you to hear this thought. Maybe the frustrations of life have caused you to miss the invitations of God. Maybe the frustrations of life have caused you to miss the invitations of God. But here's what I know. God loves you, and he wants to help you. And he invites you, and he invites me to receive his spirit, to receive his love, to receive his help, to receive peace, to receive inner healing, to receive salvation, to receive wholeness, to receive joy, to receive purpose. But sometimes the frustrations of life are so loud, we can't hear his invitation. And, and maybe some of you are like that here this morning. Maybe this message is an invitation from God to you to do something incredible in you or to do something incredible through you. So, so maybe God wants to do something incredible in you in that this is the time of year that just maybe you, you catch a break enough that you're able to slow down and think and all this running and going Maybe God's been trying to get my attention because he loves me and he wants to help me. And maybe that's God's invitation to you. Maybe God wants to do something really incredible through you. Maybe there's a friend or a relative or a neighbor or there's somebody, maybe a stranger you'll meet and there's a divine appointment there. And God just wants to speak through you to them. There's an incredible um, verse in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. And I'm, I'm going to ask the worship team if you'd go ahead and, and come. This is Jesus speaking. And here's what he says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Isn't that good? Here I am. I'm right here. I'm not hard to find. I stand at the door and knock. 
Here he is. It's just when life is so loud we can't hear the knocking. If anyone hears and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What, 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 what is this whole uh, thing about here? You and I are not the door. Jesus is the door. You and I don't even open the door. We just bring people close enough to it that they can hear him knocking from the other side. So that's my question to you. This Christmas season, is there anybody that you can bring close enough to the door that they can hear him knocking and they have to decide to open it God's not gonna God's not gonna open it he's knocking not gonna kick the door in not gonna push he's just gonna knock and who knows when that moment is when somebody turns that knob and opens the door but how many of you remember when you opened that door in your life do you remember it do you remember what happened you remember how it changed you? It changed you. So this morning, here's what I want to do. Uh, we have um, one final song that we're going to sing today. And um, we're going to sing the whole song. We ended early today on purpose. Because I, I want us to, during this song, to go to a prayer time. Um. We've got some folks who are going to slide these doors, maybe you've noticed, in. Because what we're saying is, this door, you know, Jesus, one of the things he said is, he said, I am the door. And you've got to enter through me. You enter the kingdom through me. So we've got these little doors set up here this morning. We're going to kind of bring them around. And, and here's what we're going to do. A few of the prayer team are going to come and they're going to, they're going to help you. We've got these little sticky notes. In Christmas, green and red. Isn't that incredible? Jesus must be in this. It's coordinated with the holiday colors. Those of you who are, you know, OCD. It's okay. Jesus loves you. When we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to come and, and write down the first name. You don't have to put the last name. You don't have to put anything else. Just write down the first name of the person or people that you're going to pray for and ask God to save this Christmas season. Just write the name down of the person that you're going to be praying that God's going to give you an opportunity to invite them to one of the nights of Scrooge so that they can hear the gospel. We don't save anybody. Jesus saves. But boy, we can bring them close enough to the door they can hear the knocking. And that's what the Scrooge Outreach is, is it's knocking. Just got to get close enough. Here's the, the other thing I wanted to say. And, and our, our intercessors this week are going to take these names that you put on this door and we're going to pray again. And even though we don't know who you are, we're going to pray for you. Lord, touch the person who put this name on here. Man, we're just going to we're going to soak this thing in prayer. Maybe you're one of the people that God wants to do something really incredible in. And if you have a need today and you say, God, 
I'm going to bring my need to the door. I heard you knocking today, and I'm going to bring my need, and I'm going to put it on this door. And you just write whatever that need is. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Who knows? We're going to pray for you. Does that make sense? Does this make sense? Okay. So put the name of a person you're praying for and inviting to Scrooge or put a need. But would you, would you stand with me and let, let's just go to prayer for a minute and then, um, then we're, we're going to start to sing. Anytime during the song that God lays somebody on your heart, you just step out, okay? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today we receive the divine interruption that you've brought to us. Lord, we, we remember now the divine interruption that Christmas is in, in human history and in our life. And so, Lord, today we pray, I pray that your spirit would speak to each one of us. There just can't be 83% of our county that, that won't even be in a worship service this weekend. And we don't know anybody that doesn't need to hear the gospel. So, Lord, I'm just asking you to lay the name, the face, the person on our heart that you want us to pray for. And, and if the door opens, to minister to and, and to invite so that they might hear the gospel. Lord, we're asking you today to speak to us. And Lord, we turn our eyes on you this morning, the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, would you sing this song with us this morning? And as the Holy Spirit moves on you, you just come and find one of these uh, little, if you will, keep the outside aisles open. Just kind of come this way and you can go back to your seat.